You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, January 5th. And I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver. PVH, how are we feeling this evening, my friend? Hey, buddy. Good to talk with you. It's a, it's a cold day here in Denver. It's sort of like, I guess, a cold day everywhere for Buckeye fans. But, you know, we're <laughs> going to do this and we're going to get through it together. We're going to get through a little th- group therapy session here. Yeah, we are also joined by fellow contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland CP. What's the word from the 216, my friend? What up? What up? How you guys doing, man? Good yep. To, good to good to be on here. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which I was previewing. Quiet, which I was previewing the national championship, but you know, hey. Yeah, but you and me both, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Pretty wet and rainy here in the Bay Area. We're we're getting hit with a pretty gnarly storm front, which is pretty appropriate for kind of you know the aftermath of what happened on on New Year's Eve. Of course, we are here to have a second look at number four Ohio State's heartbreaking forty two forty one loss to number one Georgia in the CFP semifinals in the Peach Bowl on New Year's Eve. Now, I did a quick recap pod for our listeners on New Year's Day, and most of you know where I came down on the way the Buckeyes played against the Bulldogs. Now, I'll have a few new thoughts to share today, but gents, our listeners have not yet had the opportunity to hear your views on the way things played out in that game. Now, PBH, I want to start with you. And look, there's a lot to talk about. I, I just want to start here. Ohio State had a two-touchdown lead going into the fourth quarter of this game. It was 38-24 Buckeyes at that juncture. Why, in your opinion... Did Ohio State lose this game? Well, I don't, I mean, I'd be curious what your takes were, but I was not comfortable with that whatsoever. Like there was nothing pulsating through my body or my mind that said, oh, we're in a good spot here. You know, (laughs) I mean, we were in a good spot, but I was not comfortable whatsoever because, you know, just the nature of college football and that game in general, right? Like putting up 14 points in a quarter is like nothing. What like Michigan and TCU put up like 60 and a half. Like it was crazy. (laughs) So I, I was, I was, I wasn't nervous, but I was like, this isn't over by a long shot. Right. And so, you know, um, why did they lose that game? I, I think they lost that game for two reasons. Number one, sort of, there were about five things that were very close plays in the fourth quarter that could have, and every single one of them broke Georgia's way. If one of them doesn't, we probably have enough to, you know, finish it off and win the game. And we can probably get into that as we go. Right. Um, and, and the other thing, and I was sitting with Juan and, you know, in my recollection, and of course there were a few Heinekens by that point. Um, and I haven't had the stomach to go back and watch it, but when we went for the fake punt and they called the timeout and then we punted the ball that were, there were what, like six minutes left to go in the game roughly. Do I have that right? Uh, a little longer than that, actually. Yeah. I think it was closer to nine minutes. Yeah. At nine that minutes? stage. Yeah. Something, okay. something in the nine minute range. Yeah, I'd have to check the game log, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was sitting there with Juan and I was like, if he punts this ball, we're going to lose the game because I just felt like it was so close. It wasn't even a full yard. You got to go for it at that point. And again, I go back to the 
freaking quarterback sneak. Like you, you can get that. And it, it just felt to me like that was the one sort of minor knock. I get it. You punt the ball um, and you, you live with that result. That's probably what the book says to do. But it, to me, it just felt like, man, your best defense is your offense at this point. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they needed, and, and I think actually Ryan day probably thought that too, right? Because he called the fake punt. Unfortunately it worked. And then they called a timeout. timeout. Um, but punting that ball at that point, I just felt like, man, you're just giving this team too many opportunities to come back and tie the game or, or win the game. And that's ultimately what happened. But <laughs> You know, from a 30,000 foot level, you know, it's funny, like, I don't know if proud is the right word. And there are no moral victories for, you know, in Buckeye football. Um, But man, that team played its heart out. I, you know, I give them all the credit in the world. I was wrong about CJ. Ryan Day redeemed himself exceptionally. We'll get into Knowles. Um, They went toe to toe with the best team in the country and lost by a point, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of things had to break George's way in order for, for them to win that game. So it sucks gigantically that they lost. But on the other hand, you know, it is a game. And what are you going to do, man? It's they played phenomenally. There were some breakdowns on defense. But other than that, they played fantastically, in my opinion. OK, PVHCP, how about you? Why did Ohio State lose this game? Well, I mean, to be, I, there's probably, you know, a handful of things, but I'll tell you what, I'll pin it down, right? And I'll, and I'll blatantly say it, and I don't give a fuck what anybody else says. That targeting call should have been fucking a targeting call. That would have changed the entire moment in the game. We would have gotten, we would have scored a touchdown there. It would have been fucking over. Yeah, it's it would a have big been call. It's a big call. It would, been, it would have been over. No, there's no debate, nothing. Game's over. We yeah. score. Big reversal nope. because it was actually called big, on the field and they big, reversed it on the replay. What yeah. blows my mind is that they re, like the reversal that makes it even worse. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like when it's called, like that's just insane. Yeah. You know, and and it, like I, I'm not like you know there was a couple of like ransom falling down on that fucking play in the fourth quarter. That was awful. Um, you know that that really bummed me out. I mean, like <laughs> as it did most people in the entire country. <laughs> um, I, you know, hey. I'm proud of the way they played. Um, am I bummed out? Yeah, of course, obviously. I mean, you know, I'd love to be playing on Monday night because I know we could we could beat TCU. And, and so, but it is what it is, man. Personally, I lay this loss 110% at the feet of Jim Knowles' defense. And and I actually do want to push back on this idea that that Knowles did not have enough talent at his disposal to make a 14-point fourth quarter lead hold up in this game. And we had a spirited debate over text about this a couple days ago. PVH, you had cited the fact that Ohio State did not recruit enough talent, uh, you know, t- enough top 100 defensive players in the 2019 and 2020 recruiting classes as one reason why the defense, you know, the secondary in particular, played so poorly in high leverage moments late in the season and in this game. And I am not going to argue against that. And by the way, kudos to you because the Buckeye Talk guys made exactly the same point in their postgame pod after the Peach Bowl. And look, there's no question, this year's secondary is a notch or two below the likes of, you know, the 2014 and 2019 secondaries. However, 
I think there was more than enough ability in this year's secondary to be at the very least technically an assignment sound so as to at least limit those devastating explosive plays that were their undoing against both Michigan and Georgia, you know, especially when you consider the strength of Jim Knowles is his scheme, which is designed to elevate his talent. That's exactly what happened at Oklahoma State, right? He was working with two and three-star talent at Oklahoma State, and his scheme elevated that talent. So to illustrate my point, let me let me just start with the kids who played most of the snaps in the secondary this season and, and against Georgia. Ronnie Hickman, four-star. He was the number 115 player in his class, the 2019 class. Well, guess what? That makes him a higher-rated player than Jordan Fuller, Malik Hooker, and Tyvis Powell. Fuller was the number 134 player in his class. Hooker was 360. Tyvis Powell was 483. Lathan Ransom, four-star, number 167 in his class, 2020. That makes him a higher-rated player coming out of high school than both Malik Hooker and Tyvis Powell. Denzel Burke, four-star, number 199 in his class. That makes him a higher-rated player than both Denzel Ward and Damon Arnett, right? Ward and Arnett won a lot of games at Ohio State, won Big Ten championships, played in the playoffs. They were both first round draft picks. And look, if those guys aren't getting it done, and I think we can all agree, right? That unit did not get it done this year when it really mattered. Well, guess what? Jim Knowles, Tim Walton, Perry Eliano, you had four top 100 defensive backs available to you for the Peach Bowl with a full month to get them ready to play. J.K. Johnson, number 50. Jordan Hancock, number 73. Josh Proctor, number 71. And Sonny Styles, number 12. Styles was the only one of that bunch that logged defensive snaps against Georgia, and he only played 12 snaps. So, you know, there was enough talent there not to just suck at the highest leverage moments. And now look, is Ronnie Hickman Von Bell? No, of course he's not. Is Denzel Burke, Jeff Okuda? Of course not. But five-star defensive backs like Bell and Okuda are very, very rare at Ohio State. I looked it up. Of the 12 recruiting cycles that span the Urban Meyer and Ryan Day eras, that's 2012 through 2023, Ohio State has only landed five five-star defensive backs. Von Bell in 2013, Jeff Okuda and Sean Wade in 2017, Tyreek Johnson in 2018, who's a total bust, didn't do anything at Ohio State, and then Sonny Styles in 2022. So more often than not, you're going to see most Ohio State secondaries, you might have one five-star in the group, but it's going to be largely built of four-star guys and maybe the occasional three-star guy. And the really frustrating thing for me about the Peach Bowl is the two biggest pass plays they gave up, which both resulted in Georgia touchdowns, were not because of any kind of talent deficiency. They were failures in situational awareness by either the coaching staff or the players on the field. And they involved the same player, Arian Smith, who is a one-trick pony at receiver that only runs co-routes. Now, I heard an interview with one of the Georgia's beat writers uh, before the game who said that when Smith enters the game, expect Georgia to take a deep shot. I remember him, I think it was with Doug Maurice that he did the interview. And I remember the guy saying, now Georgia fans are going to get pissed at me for saying this, but when number 11 comes into the game, he's going deep. <laughs> so, you know, on the first explosive, Smith was matched up on Tommy Eichenberg for a 47-yard reception down to the Ohio State 11-yard line. And Paige, you made a good observation. Eichenberg did a hell of a job staying with him to the extent he could, right? And But Eichenberg was supposed to get help over the top from Ronnie Hickman. And Hickman was busy guarding grass on the other side of the field and didn't get enough depth on Hickman the play. blows. And then midway through the fourth quarter, Smith beats Ransom. You guys have already mentioned it for a 76-yard touchdown reception. Ransom trips over his feet. Smith blows by him. Tanner McAllister is late rotating over. Neither of them is within 25 yards of Smith when he catches the ball. Look, in that situation, why are you attempting to cover 
cover a receiver with 4-2 speed who everyone knows is running a deep route and who already beat you for one explosive play earlier in the game with a goddamn safety. I mean, that's a huge mismatch <laughs> that Georgia will take all day long. That is a major failure in situational awareness by the coaching staff. And of course, Ransom didn't give himself a chance at all on the play by tripping over his own feet. So you could even maybe count that as an execution mistake. So look, it's midway through the fourth quarter. You got an 11 point lead. You've got to make Georgia eat clock and drive 11, 12 plays to get that touchdown. That's how their offense is designed to move the ball anyway. I mean, the Bulldogs do not make their living with explosive plays. They came into this game 76 nationally at scrimmage plays of 40 plus yards. They only had five of them coming into that game. And against Ohio State, they got two. And instead, look, Georgia needed 10 seconds to score that touchdown. Then they converted the two-point try. Suddenly, it's a three-point game with an eternity to play, eight minutes and 41 seconds. So, I mean, someone's got to be able to recognize that matchup disaster for Ohio State on that play, whether it's Knowles in the booth or Day on the field. I mean, it's also worth noting, by the way, Ohio State still only has four on-the-field defensive coaches, which is very unusual. And I think that was a big part of what was missing in this game for Ohio State. And you think about it, on the other sideline, just one play before, Kirby Smart had the wherewithal to call a timeout when he saw something fishy in that Ohio State punt formation. And it probably saved the goddamn game for Georgia. So... That was a critical two-play sequence that I think showed you the difference between the two coaching staffs. And look, I mean, a two-touchdown fourth-quarter lead with a berth in the national title game on the line. Look, I know, I understand we all felt proud of the way Ohio State played, but man, that was also a colossal missed opportunity for this program, right? I mean, you'd have been a double-digit favorite against TCU on Monday night, just as Georgia is. And I know we get a lot of bites at the apple as Ohio State fans, right? Because the Buckeyes are usually you know, right there every year in the championship hunt. Uh, but nothing's ever guaranteed, right? And you just never know when you're going to get another opportunity like this. So anyway, sorry for ranting. I just had to get that out of my system. PBH, I want to kick this back to you. What else did you see from that game against Georgia that stood out? Points. Yeah, dude, they're, they're, they're valid points. And I don't think anyone's or, you know, and I don't know that you're insinuating it. Like, oh, the reason why we lost that game is because we don't have enough talent in the secondary. Um, I, I do think there has been a drop off in the talent in the secondary, for sure. and there's definitely for sure. been a drop off and maybe in the development in, in the secondary. Good point. But Absolutely. I asked this question, you know, on, you know, the, the preview pod where I'm like, do you think Jim Knowles is going to change? And you guys are both like, no, he's not going to change. <laughs> and guess what? He didn't change. And you were right. And guess what? He's probably not going to change in the fourth quarter either then. So if you want it one way, then you, you're going to kind of have to live with it. I mean, you know, ransom falls down. And again, I don't know enough. And I don't go back and look at every play and figure out, you know, what coverages they're in. Uh, Georgia's a hell of an offense. They got a ton of weapons. Like if mm-hmm. you're going to stack, you know, the box against them, then they have enough weapons with their, their, you know, wide receivers and the tight ends to probably beat you in a different way. And I feel like at some level, man, you know, y- you can only take away so much. I'm not excusing it. Like, you know, guy running literally with no one within 40 yards of him in the fourth quarter is just hard to stomach. But that being said, I, like you could flip the yeah. coin and like, say you're Georgia, right? Like, holy shit. How did this vaunted defense end up giving up 41 points to Ohio state's offense? Right. I mean, yeah, I would really, say, I, yeah, really on a, hold on really with only a passing attack, like that's all we could do. And they couldn't fucking stop it. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a total indictment against Jim Knowles or, you know, the scheme or they don't have enough coaches or if Ryan Day 
needs to stop calling offensive plays and pay more attention on the defensive side. Cause I don't really know candidly what that's going to do for you. Right. I mean, if, 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 if that's not where he's comfortable, then why are you, why do we think that, you know, Ryan day is, you know, going to make some dramatic difference if he stops calling offensive plays because, you know, he can, he can visualize something on the, on the defensive side. Well, if I mean, that's the case, then you hired, I think he can. Knowles. Yeah. Well, I mean, we so, saw an example of it with Kirby smart. Sniffing out well, the fake punt. You're you're taking one play and saying, okay, he 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 called a timely timeout. That doesn't mean that Kirby Smart's you know the Moses of coaching, bro. I mean, he, well, he doesn't have his he doesn't have his nose buried in a play sheet because he doesn't call plays. Yeah, bro. So I mean, that that's what I mean. It's little <laughs> things like that where if you yeah, have dude. you've got that allows you to have the wherewithal of what of what's happening in a game, having having a feel for the game. And I, honestly, if the if the roles were reversed and Georgia was in a, that really bad unfavorable matchup and they were up two scores, uh, and you've got a safety on a speedy receiver who'd already beaten you once before. I mean, I. Guarantee you, Kirby Smart calls a timeout there. Get us into a different coverage. Paige, I would agree with you that uh, hey, just chalk it up to Georgia's just got a lot of weapons. What are you going to do? That you know that they score a lot of points in the playoffs. If we hadn't done the same thing against goddamn Michigan and Penn State and Maryland, I mean, we gave up so many explosive. It was the explosive plays that nearly cost us a chance even playing Georgia. We got very lucky to even play that game because USC ends up losing to Utah. So it's just a trend that has, you know, it, it ruined Ohio State's opportunity to win a Big Ten championship. We weren't able to beat our rival because of it. And now we're not playing in a very winnable national championship game. Where do you fall on it, CP? You know, I, I, at the end of the day, I'm not going to lay blame on Jim Knowles. Um, I will say this, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe like there were some like a couple schemes here and there that were like bad, but like I, I – I was so just disappointed in our – I was excited about this defense. Our defensive backs, man, they blow. And I don't give a shit if they're four-star, five-star. I'd rather have a fucking three-star out there that can fucking ball because Ronnie Hickman, who knows where the fuck he went this year. Denzel Burke, where the fuck was he? I mean, they're, they're all just like – what happened to him? Is that like – what's his face? Like our, our defensive back coach? Is it, is it all on him? Yeah, well, there's two of them. There's Tim Walton and Perry Eliano, and I, I, I are they the right Perry men for the job? He's got a great track record, so I, I'm not quite sure what what's going on. But. Well, it was his group, the safety group, that was a disaster in this game against I Georgia. Know. Ohio State, I know. 20 Buckeyes played uh, log defensive snaps in this game, and the starting safeties, their their uh, their PFF grades were three of the worst four PFF grades of the 20 players that played in this game. That's awful. Ronnie Hickman, his uh, grade of 51.1, or sorry, 54.1. Tanner McAllister, 50.5. And Lathan Ransom, 41. This is according to PFF. Those are three of the four worst grades of the 20 players that played. And by the way, those are their three worst PFF grades of the whole season in this game. Wow. Hickman, McAllister, so and Ransom. So has anybody, like, and again, I've, I've had very limited desire to to read much has anyone gone to Knowles and like asked him this or day and asked him and said, you know, have they done a, you know, not really conference? No, there was yeah. just the immediate aftermath in the, in the post game and you don't get, yeah, is, right. You don't yeah, get those guys yeah, for very long. Um, yeah. But I'm just, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm just really, I'm excited just to clear out that whole, you know, I'm glad Hickman's gone. Like, we got some ballers coming up, man. You know, like, and it was like, I, I didn't read the text that you were talking about, like, you know, 
that it was the 19 and 20 classes. Cause I'm like, what the hell are we talking about? We like our whole defensive backfield and safeties and like top 100 players coming in like Sonny styles, like, you know, Samson hunt. Like, I mean, like these guys are the ballers. Yeah. So I, I just, but, but Paige's like, point was a good one. The Paige's point was a good one because the 19 and 20 classes were the junior and senior classes of this team. And right. th- those are the guys that right. if you expect to carry you to a championship right. are your juniors and seniors. So and nobody, n- how many freshmen are good enough to come play at that level? Right. Okay. You might be good enough yeah. to even make not it. Not a lot, stuff. but I'll tell you what, not I, a lot. I, I, the way those guys played, I'd rather fucking like take the chance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't realize the safeties played that bad of a game. Um, you know, and part of me was like, I, I guess I, I wasn't surprised that Georgia was able to move the ball and I wasn't surprised that they were scoring touchdowns. I, you know, they've got a, you know, they've got the best offensive line in the country. They've got good running backs. They had mm-hmm. the two best tight ends and then they had a ride receiver that was hurt. That was going to play. Like I was like, you no, know- they're they're gonna score points what i was you know most happy about is that we were actually able to go toe-to-toe with them right um, were you guys ever did you guys ever have a thought in your head like i, I mean i i would almost rather just get blown out than like knowing that we should have won that game no that, no, no, I mean? no i would have been very yeah, disappointed with know. the blowout myself um well, i mean obviously uh, but i mean yeah yeah well it would have been on definitely on suicide hotline so, so but, yeah but, at some level <laughs> And the, the, I think the best adjective is the one you use that is heartbreaking, right? Like, mm-hmm. right, man, that, and it was there for the taking and a blowout. No, but if they'd have gotten beat, you know, beaten 45 to, you know, 31, it really wasn't close. And, you know, they just kind of salted it away or grinded it away in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it would have like been easier game. to recover than, you know, than that. So I do agree with you, Chad, on that point. Um, but a total blowout. No, I mean, I, right. I, I was a bit like, maybe like, you know, exaggerating there, but I, it just, I didn't it was even, a, did, it was did you guys watch the field goal? I, I didn't even like that. I didn't even watch that. The, the, the field, like I didn't watch the, I, I couldn't watch it live. I actually had my shirt over my, I had the volume muted and oh, I had okay. my shirt over my <laughs> eyes. And then I, I was out on the, d- fucking deck contemplating just jumping off and yeah if i break my leg or not it, like- it was a damn shame right because you know that's right at the edge of of ruggles range actually he's never made a 50-yard field goal in his career and you know could have ohio state gotten more yardage you know after the the stroud scramble down to the georgia 31 yes of course uh, they i suppose they could have but for christ's sake at that stage they didn't have marvin harrison jr they were down cade stover they were cade using stover, xavier johnson yeah. at running back you know and then you, know, you already were without you know the key losses no trevian henderson and jackson smith and jigbon all that i mean they were down to a skeleton crew offensively it was a minor miracle that they were able to get that close to field goal range to begin with and i certainly and can't put what? it on i can't put it on noah ruggles at all i i that was the no, last no, thought no, in my mind yeah. that that's off, Nick, you know what i mean like just uh yeah well, it was, it was it an all-american was, last what, year what was funny on the cj scramble was that i i i he, he he like did a pirouette and like he tucked the ball mm-hmm. and i think then he looked up field so in his mind he's like i'm running this ball which again was like dude like that's all we were ever asking for you from you to from the run game right. um but it was funny in that most crucial of moments like he's like fuck it i'm just running and he tucked that ball immediately 
and you know picked up what 20 25 27 yards, yards. just yeah, huge. Yeah. It was a huge play for him. All right, so why don't oh we God. why don't we shift our focus away from you know why Ohio State lost this game? You know the the yeah. defense in Knowles. I you know I'm, I'm still going to die on that. I'm still dying on this hill that the, the, this is firmly at Knowles' feet. But I'm going to let that go for now. What, let's focus on some of the positives uh, for of this game. Why don't we start with Stroud? And, and PBH, let me kick this to you. You've already kind of started to talk about what Stroud did in this game. What did you think of Stroud's performance in this game? I mean, dude, that's not a debate. I mean. Without Stroud, we're not in this game, right? Yeah, I he mean, was the best player the on the field, race. I thought, the whole game. Oh, b- by far. Yeah. By far. I mean... 23-34, 3-48, and four touchdowns. Sorry, PBH, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, he he was he was insanely good. He was everything. And CJ's been good. There's just been, you know, we've all been sort of nitpicking it, you know, maybe a few things here and there. But... um you know, I think we all questioned his law, lo- not really his loyalty, but, you know, not a hot California guy, but like, dude, he put all that shit to rest. I didn't read the article. I saw a headline, but some pro scouts said he did himself a lot of favors. Oh, I'm um, sure he in, made a lot of money in that this night. game, <laughs> the upcoming draft. He showed every, he showed the world everything, right? Yeah. Like, you know, um, under duress, he was good. He was directing traffic. He was a leader. Um, he played, I mean, come on, there's, there's really nothing else that any of us could have asked. And that's, you know, I, I kind of just had this feeling like when Georgia scored that last touchdown, I think I even sent the text. I'm like, it's okay, man, because CJ is going to win this game for us. I probably put the hex on him, but I just felt like he had played so exceptionally up until that point. Totally boo. It's probably my fault. Um, and he did, he did everything, you know, that you could probably ask for a guy in what 58 seconds when we got the ball back to put us in a chance to win the game. Um, and without him, I mean, dude, that game's probably not even close. Yeah. Yeah. He was the best player in the field. And I, and I felt after him, it was probably Marvin Harrison Jr. I I mean, you know, looking back on it and I would not have guessed that because I thought probably Jalen Carter, the stud defensive tackle for Georgia would probably have been the best player on the field when Ohio State had the ball and Georgia was on defense. But no, to me, Stroud and and then Marvin Harrison Jr. were the two best players on the field. Uh, you know, yeah, when Ohio State and, had the you ball. Know, even though we we couldn't run the ball, um, they gave him, you know, the offensive line played great. They gave him, you know, uh time to throw the ball uh-huh. a, a lot of the time. I mean, he was sitting back there doing what he does. And the few times they got pressure, he kind of, you know, he was great. He definitely. He I mean, maneuvered the pocket, yeah. got out of, you know, he rolled out like that. I don't know if it was the second um, touchdown to, to Marvin or maybe it both. was the first one, right? Both of he them. Directed. He was on the move on both throws and they were yeah. great throws. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's when you're like, God damn, that's just, that's money. And so he had he, a play. He was, awesome. he, he was awesome. He had a play where he got pressure right up the middle from Jalen Carter and he just sidestepped him and he threw a strike on the right sideline for about 15, 20 yards. To Julian Fleming. I mean, I was like, whoa, that's yeah. a big time NFL throw right there. CP, what else did you see on, on the positive side that, that stood out to you from this performance by the Buckeyes? Offensive line. Yeah, line was good, huh? Yeah, I think um, that was one of my uh, concerns. Like, put them as a unit. I think they, they stepped up. Um, you know, there, like, there's a lot of positives. I mean, you know, <laughs> It's it's funny that it just goes to show you um, with a defense like Georgia and a team that we played, like, you know, a skeleton crew. Like, I mean, we have no, like, you know, 
starting running back and I, like by by no means whatsoever am i you know laying down like you know the the e-word um excuses but you know i mean like i'm, I'm proud of this team i i think there was a lot of shiny moments i'm, I'm really happy that cj went out the way he did um i was a little concerned as i expressed in the preview pod that you know hey like i'm gonna go to the nfl i'm gonna make a million you know what i mean like right my legacy with michigan's not good you know but he he did he came out and just just threw it all out there man he was willing to just just to lay it all on the line which he did and you know i'm 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 very happy with with the way they play you know the outcome obviously as we we know is not the best but you know hey yeah he I'm, put, I'm excited he, for the future of this team yeah he laid to rest any questions about his heart right, right. and his determination yep. right his metal uh, in 100%. this game, I, I really thought so. And, you know, PVH, you, you had said, and and so did our, our friend Sloaner, I think both of you thought Ohio State would be able to run the football a little bit in this game. And you were right, actually. Uh, 32 carries for 119 yards. No, I know that's not a, an explosion in the run game, but that also factors in C.J. Stroud's sack yardage. But you got 43 yards on nine carries from Dallin Hayden. You got uh, 28 yards on six carries from Xavier Johnson. Man, how about the X-Man? I just love that guy. So I think overall, Ohio State did what they needed to do. They got just enough in the run game, which you and Sloaner thought would probably happen. I was a little more skeptical that it could, but they were just good enough in the run game. They, they did a little something there. And then what can you say about Egbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr.? Well, primarily Marvin Harrison Jr. Five catches, 106 yards. He doesn't go out with that concussion. I mean, we're talking about a very different game that was just a really tough break for Ohio State. Emeka Buka was also really good. Eight catches for 112 yards. And then Julian Fleming came to life. We talked about, hey, where the hell is Julian? Yeah. Mr. Milk Carton. Uh, he right. showed up for this game, 71 yards receiving on five receptions. And they also got three for 43 from Xavier Johnson, including a 37-yard touchdown. So uh, offense, I, I, I'm sorry, you put up 41 points in a game like this and the amount of offense Ohio State did, you should expect to win. Offense held up their end of the bargain. And I also thought Ryan Day recaptured his mojo as a play caller in this game. I mean, did he not have Georgia kind of backpedaling for the better part of three quarters until Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt? I mean, didn't he? I thought he was great as play caller in this game. What did you think, PBH? Oh, my God. He was he was phenomenal. And I think he put the rest, in, you know, and I was probably at least out of the three of us the most that was tooting the horn questioning whether or not this guy's you know worthy of being the coach at a high state and yeah um you know is he truly a, you know an elite coach um he 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 called a phenomenal game phenomenal. um and yeah you're right i mean and it, and again it kind of goes back not to use the excuses thing and you know i alluded to there was like five things in the fourth quarter they all went george's way they did but the targeting call and then you lose Harrison, right? That's two of the five. And there might even have been more. But even on that last drive, you could just like, who the hell do we have left? You know? Yeah. And and not having him on the field. And then you think about Jesus Christ, like, man, and I hate to say this, but if JSN's on that field, we're probably winning that game easily. Not easily, but we, you know, it's just like, my God, they were, they were just so shorthanded. And so, you know, that's disappointing. And you're right, you know, like you got to take advantage when you're there. And my God, we've, you know, it's been enough times where 
you know, like shit, well, when are we going to kind of, you know, catch some breaks and the whole rest of the world's like, come on, I see you fucking. <laughs> yeah. You know, this game felt a lot like the 2019 semifinal loss to Clemson, didn't it? And I think what, totally, I mean, because totally we, we like there were five or six breaks that didn't go Ohio State's way that were major, that, you know, made a major difference in the game. And also what that game had in common with this one is Ohio State was facing the defending national champions. And, you know, I just felt also, in addition to the breaks, Georgia just had a little bit more championship medal than Ohio State in some areas as well. And, um, you know, like that, just the, 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 the wherewithal by Kirby Smart to get that time out of the fake punt, right? It was just that little bit extra that Georgia had that they probably earned from their title run last year that Ohio State just didn't quite have in this game. So that, that was another difference that I saw. Um, all right, fellas. Well, listen, I, I know we're, we, we don't have a ton of time here and I wanted to have a quick peek ahead to next season. We don't have to spend too much time on that. And then Paige, you had a really fun game uh, for us to play here uh, that we can do here at the very end. So let's have a peek ahead to the 2023 season. Ohio State has what looks to be a pretty tough slate schedule wise with road games at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin and at Michigan. Now, the part of the schedule to watch out for next year is in October where the Buckeyes get Penn State at home and then uh, that's on the 21st of October and then they have to travel to Madison on the 28th to take on Luke Fickle's Badgers. Remember, Fickle is the head coach at Wisconsin now. And we expect Wisconsin to be vastly yeah. improved under Fickle next season. Notre Dame and Michigan will almost certainly be top 10 matchups. Um, also, watch out for Minnesota in the shoe the week before the Michigan game. That game has a little bit of a, that the feel that the Illinois game did for Michigan before we played them, right? I mean, you got you can't overlook Minnesota. The last time we played them, that game came down to the final minutes of the fourth quarter. And I think the last time we played them in the shoe back in 2018, they gave us a good game. So pretty tough schedule for Ohio State in 2023. Now, we're still waiting on certain players to make their NFL decisions. And we expect Ohio State to be very aggressive in the transfer portal this offseason. They'll also likely lose a few more kids to the portal. But this is what we know right now about the personnel for next year's team. Now, first and foremost, the Buckeyes are going to have a new face at quarterback next season. It's you know likely a foregone conclusion that C.J. Stroud is declaring for the NFL draft. He's gone. Now, we expect a pretty good battle at that position with five-star Kyle McCord, who is headed into his third season with the program, and second-year man Devin Brown. He was a high four-star. He was the number 43rd. 43 overall player in his class. Now, most of us assume it's probably McCord's job to lose, but you know, don't count out Brown, who brings a little bit more athleticism and running ability to that position than McCord. Guys, on the quarterback position, just give me your best guess. Who wins that competition? CP, who do you like? I'm going to go with Kyle McCord. You think um, McCord wins it? Especially since he's like at the... Um the his, like I mean, he was Marvin Harrison with his man, like for like two, two or three state titles. That's true. So I'm gonna, I'm good gonna point. Go He's gonna have that chemistry with with the, the you know their other probably their best offensive player going in next year. That's a really good point. And I feel like he's been learning a lot from Stroud. I mean, most most guys would have just like been fuck this. I'm out. I'm getting the portal. I yeah. think he's gonna like uh, it's gonna pay off. I could pay 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 dividend, big dividends for him. Now, my only wish is that uh, he got more than sixty-seven snaps and twenty pass attempts this season. It feels like Ryan Davis yeah. some opportunities to get him some game action, right? Especially in those blowouts. How about you, PBH? Your best guess. Who, who do you think wins this competition? I, I don't know. I kind of feel like, and it's not fair to McCord, but the opportunities he's had, he hasn't looked that great. That doesn't mean anything. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with Brown. I think Brown's going to win this job. Interesting. I think he's more mobile. 
Yeah. Well, and that's something, you know, a lot of folks have been clamoring for is just more mobility, a little bit more playmaking than just thrown thrown from the pocket, right? It's so freaking deadly in college football. Oh, yeah. You know, and again, we're not going to go back to the JT Barrett, you know, RPO days, thankfully. But, um, you know. Uh, it 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 just makes such a difference in the college game. And Absolutely, CJ, for whatever reason, was loath to do it for two years until the Georgia game. But it it and so I I don't think McCord is mobile at all. He's probably less mobile than C.J. Stroud. So I'm going with not Brown. true. Yeah, uh, I think McCord has a little forward, bit of Chad. Were he you has there. A... Do you have a stopwatch? <laughs> Look at the stats. <laughs> well, not we'll see. I, I I tend to agree with you, PBH. When you can marry arm talent with mobility, it's deadly. So let's look at the, re- the rest of the returning starters on offense. Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, Julian Fleming, they're all back. Now, Xavier Johnson participated in senior day, but he still has some eligibility, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see if he decides to come back. And incoming freshman Brandon Innes, now he's a player to watch, and they, they think he's good enough to play right away as a freshman. Ohio State's going to get the entire running back room back, we think. Don't forget about Tate. Tate as well, but Innes, is the, is, he's the headliner of the, of the, of the class. Trey Henderson, Mayan Williams, Dallin Hayden, Evan Pryor, Chip Trainum, all of those guys are going to be back. I mean, that's about as good as you can get with a running back room. A lot of depth and a lot of skill and, and proven playmakers there. Now, the offensive line is, I think, the big question with the with the offense. Donovan Jackson and Luke Whipler are back for sure. Matthew Jones, now he also participated in senior day, but I think he also still has some eligibility and might be back. Some other key contributors, Josh Fryer. A lot of people think he's going to take one of those starting tackle spots. Enoch Vimahi is another guy who might see some playing time. Now, this is an area where I think Ohio State's going to be aggressive in the transfer portal. Two names to watch in the transfer portal. Washington State's Jarrett Kingston. He was actually in Columbus today, Kingston was, for an official visit. And Stanford's Walter Ruse. Kingston and Ruse are potential targets for one of the two starting offensive tackle spots. I think Ohio State might try and land both of them. Because we know Paris Johnson Jr., Dewan Jones, they're both off to the NFL. Finally, I think Ohio State's going to be just fine at, at tight end. I think Kate Stover's back, G. Scott Jr.'s back, and Joe Royer should be healthy and back. Mitch Rossi departs. He is out of eligibility. PVH, what are you expecting from this offense in 2023? It, it comes down to the quarterback, right? They'll they'll fill the holes on yeah. the offensive line. Hopefully they go, you know, get some guys out of the portal, which is another point, right? Like, I don't know. Um not on the offense specifically, but they asked Day about, oh, well, how do you feel about the portal? He's like, I don't want to disrupt things. He needs to rethink that, right? Yes. Um, look I at agree. TCU. They are 13 kids out of the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you can't be worried about hurting people's egos, which I use what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get guys leaving. And I don't think you can, you know, who knows why guys are in the portal, right? Who right. has any clue, right? Like J.K. Johnson, maybe somebody just offered him three hundred thousand dollars, and he's going to take that three hundred thousand dollars. Who the f knows? It's the wild. LSU is going to get him, and they're offering a hell of a lot more than three hundred thousand. Okay, so whatever maybe. it is, so you know, that's a whole nother pod for a whole nother topic. But right. Ryan Day and the Buckeyes need to be much more aggressive in the portal because, you know, fill those holes, and you know what life in the big city as urban meyer says but to me it all they're going to be phenomenal the running backs are going to be good the wide receivers 
you know, hopefully Ennis or Tate come in, uh, they're going to be unstoppable. Who's going to throw them the ball? Yeah. That's going to be the big thing. And that's why this was the year for them, Mm -hmm. right? It's hard to expect, you know, a first year starter to take a team and go win a national championship. That's why this was the year for them to do it. And they came oh so close, but that to me is the biggest question mark going in. It's quarterback. It's the most important. If there's any field. Yep. Absolutely. However, if there's anyone who can do it, it would be Day. He's got a great track record with first-year starters. How about you, CP? What are you expecting from this offense in 2023? You heard it here right now. It's going to be better next year than it was this year. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, That's a bold statement, but I'm telling you what, it's it's going to be – they're going to be a more seasoned unit. And if they can stay um, healthy for – line, yes. Yeah. Right. If they, <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, that's – you know, but that's, that's a given. Um, I'm not concerned about the offensive line. Um, it, it sucks losing, you know, Paris and like whatever. But I, I think that the, they've been like grooming some of these guys that came in that were big ballers, like five star guys, and and I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be good. Um, like you said, being getting healthy and staying healthy is the biggest factor. But yeah, I mean that is a stable full of like just studs at running back, wide receivers, um. You know, whether it's Brown or McCord, you know, at the end of the day, I really don't give a fuck. Um, I think McCord, him being in the program for three years, that says a lot, you know, regardless of how much time he's been on the field. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like you said, Z, um, day, you know what I mean? If there's one position that I can trust in him and that's the quarterback. So, but I, I honestly, as a unit, as a whole, I think they're going to be better next year. You know what? That's not an outrageous claim. And, you know, again, Ryan Day, by the way, his last three first-year starters all to New York as Heisman finalists. So good reason to trust his track record there. And yeah, if Ohio State can stay healthy, we haven't really mentioned that. And, you know, in the analysis, looking back on this season, injuries, especially in offense for this team. Hold on. We're cut, I mean, I, it's not hyperbole. I, I, it is, no. I can't remember another season. As in my long, you know, forty plus years as an Ohio State fan, where injuries were this big of a factor, and I have no idea how to assess this, but some of the folks that I follow on on Twitter have been complaining about the training staff and Mickey Marotti and all the soft tissue injuries that Ohio State has had this year, and they're pointing the finger at at you know their conditioning. I have no idea how to assess something like that, but um, if they can sort out you know, the injury situation and whether that there is a solution there and the way they're training these kids, maybe it was just bad luck, but man, health is a huge factor. And if they are healthy, you're getting Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka in year three, Trey Henderson in year three, Fleming, and then some of these other kids. I, I don't think that's an outrageous claim at all, CP, that Ohio State could actually be a, certainly a more productive kind of offense. scary, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so if they, they can't sort out the offensive line, right? And to your point, PBH, you can't worry about hurt feelings. You got to be kind of ruthless in the portal. And by all accounts, from what I'm hearing from a lot of the the folks that I listen to, Ohio State has been very aggressive in the transfer portal. All right, fellas, let's have a look. I know we're, we're running up on our time here. So let's have a look over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and actually, that's where I think we're expecting a little bit more movement. We've got a lot more departures on that side of the ball, starting with on defense, on the defensive line, Zach Harrison, Teron Vincent, Jerron Cage, Tyler Friday, and Javante Jean-Baptiste, who entered the transfer portal this week, are all gone. In the secondary, Ronnie Hickman, who declared before the Michigan game, Cam Brown, Tanner McAllister, Josh Proctor, and J.K. Johnson, another entry into the transfer portal. By the way, 
anyway, I think that's a that's a, a huge loss for Ohio State. He was a top 50 player. I mean, we were just lamenting, you know, top 100 players and not having enough of them. J.K. Johnson was number 50 in his class. So that's a big loss, I think, for Ohio State. And then at linebacker, Pallier Neoteote, he was the USC transfer, never really got his footing at Ohio State. He leaves as well. Returning for Ohio State, though, on the defensive line, JT Tuimoloau, Jack Sawyer, Mike Hall Jr., Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams. How about Caden Curry, the young freshman? He made a little noise this year when he got to Dude, play. He, when he played, he was good. He was real good, real good. He was nasty. Yeah, absolutely. He was nasty on him. At linebacker, I personally think Ohio State's going to get everybody back that matters. Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers. Now, they still have NFL decisions to make, but I expect both of them to be back. Cody Simon. Now, the big name to watch in that group is CJ Hicks. Will Hicks make that leap? from his freshman to sophomore season. Um, so that'll be an interesting group to watch. But I think if Eichenberg and Chambers are back, they're going to be your starters. And then at corner, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Jair Brown, who showed us a little something. He'll be a sophomore. And then you have incoming freshman Calvin Simpson Hunt and Jermaine Matthews. By the way, Matthews is already in Columbus. Uh, he's been there for a while now. He was a he was an early enrollee. And the Buckeye Talk guys really like Matthews. They think he has a legitimate shot to see some playing time there at corner. Finally, at safety, Lathan Ransom, Sonny Styles, Kai Stokes, who flashed in the spring game, and then Jihad Carter, the Syracuse transfer, who was just yeah, added to the roster this big. week. So, I there I, guys, I think off a few names, I think that we're like are going to step up that are we've been waiting on is. Reed Carico, Gabe Powers, like, I mean, there's- They were injured right this year, right? So yeah, hopefully those two are, those guys are names that can make some noise at linebacker for sure. Now, Heisted only plays two linebackers in Jim Knowles' scheme, so I don't know how many guys we can expect to to really get playing time. And maybe we're looking at some portal entry of some of these names too. I don't know, maybe a guy like Cody Simon is like, look, I'm barely playing here, you know, I'm out, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I don't know. Okay, so Paige, let me kick this over to you. Now, what are you expecting from this group? You know, all those names that I just listed, what are your expectations for the defense in 2023? Well, it's pretty simple, right? They just have to get a little bit better in the secondary. If you do that, you're winning a national championship, yeah. right? It's, you know, the, the defensive line is going to be sick. The 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 linebackers, are, they're not, you know, maybe really Raquan McMillan or, you know, A.J. Hawk, but yeah, very solid. Just shore some things up. And then again, you know, I don't know, maybe we expect a little bit more, you know, from a scheme, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we need a little growth, you know, from the coaching staff. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Yeah, we're not uh, that close to it, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Knowles is rethinking some stuff, you know, and what it, what it actually, cause it's different because you, you actually had made that comment like, well, he elevates talent at Oklahoma state. This ain't Oklahoma state, mm-hmm. right. And Oklahoma state ain't playing Georgia in the national championship game. That's so, right. uh, you know, maybe in the biggest moments you need to re- rethink some things. And maybe that's the most important thing that we should expect some growth in, because I actually said, um, you know, I was talking to my dad, I was like, you know, um, you know, maybe Ryan day, you know, is he's growing, right. He's having these games, he's getting more experience. And I think it showed in that game. Yeah. And well, and, and then his immediate response is that you shouldn't be the coach at a high state. And I'm like, okay, that's fair too. But, <laughs> um, you know, maybe, maybe that's the most important thing, right? They'll be fine personnel. You've said it before. Do we recruit better than anybody except maybe Alabama and Georgia? Yeah. That's it. And so, that's not the reason why they're not winning these games. And, you know, we're going up against the best teams in the country and 
for whatever reason, the last few years, we've fallen just a tad short in a couple of years. Um, so maybe the biggest thing in my mind is some growth by Jim Knowles. They'll be fine player-wise. They'll figure it out. Go get players and players are coming in. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that's Ryan Day's biggest challenge is, is, as head coach is to, to sort, figure out the Jim Knowles situation. In hindsight, maybe, maybe it was a mistake to call him the quote head coach of the defense and give him as much you know, freedom and power as he did on that side of the ball. Because I feel like Knowles needs a little more oversight and he might need another veteran presence, another veteran defensive mind in that room to kind of help him as the architect of that defense and even with some of the play calling. Sorry. Okay, CP, I'm going to kick this back to you. What are you expecting from the defense in 2023? I'm excited to see some of these guys that like, you know, the Gabe Powers, Reed Carrico, they've been dinged up, you know. Sonny Styles. I mean, the big question for him, is he going to like, you know, is he going to play line? Is he going to get moved to linebacker? Or is he going to be, you know, a, yeah. a defensive back? Um, I mean, there's some really like that CJ Hicks. I'm so, so, I mean, he was like the number one linebacker in the country. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so I think there, there will be maybe a time in the season that, and Steel Chambers might be, uh, you know, trying to get some play time. Could be, could be. I mean, if so, CJ Hicks makes that, that leap, a, like I hope that's a problem. You know what I mean? I, I absolutely. Hope that, that, it's a good know, problem. And God bless Steel Chambers. You know, what I mean, like kids are running back, like making a lot of tackles out there all over the field. But you know, that's a good problem for us to have if he's actually fighting for time. You know what I mean? Uh, just two quick notes on special teams. No Ruggles departs, but I think Ohio State likes what it has in Jaden Fielding uh, at place kicker, and then Jesse Merkel will be back at punter. So. In my postgame pod on New Year's Day, I talked a lot about C.J. Stroud's, you know, complicated legacy as a quarterback. Probably the best pure passer to ever come through the program. A player who put up great individual stats is the only two-time Heisman finalist uh, in program history other than Archie Griffin. But who doesn't have the team accomplishments to put him alongside the all-time greats. He never beat Michigan. He never won the Big Ten. He never won a playoff game. And off of that PVH, I thought you came up with a really good idea of listing our top five Buckeye quarterbacks of all time. So PVH, I'm going to let you do the honors and kick things off. Who no, were your... it's my idea. I get to go last. Oh, you're going to go last. Okay. CP, why don't you get us started? Give us your top five Buckeye quarterbacks. Um, number one, Steve Bell, sorry. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> do I have to go? Like, do, do I have to right, do I'll go first. Because like, okay. Yeah. Because like, I mean, go I've first? got my five guys, but I don't want to do like... I, yeah, like, I've got order. my yeah, five go guys ahead, too, but I've been, I've okay. been jostling them around. All right, go ahead. Um, so... So number one, I got Justin Fields. All right. Uh, number two, I've been moving these guys around. Number two, I got Dwayne Haskins. All right. Number three, I got Craig Krenzel. Wow. Number four, oh, I was gonna... Cardell Jones. And number five, I got CJ Stroud. Because <laughs> for whatever you say about Krenzel and whatever you say about Cardale, what do they have that the other guys don't? Well, they have national championship boys. rings. They have national championships. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Cardale made some plays for sure during that playoff run. He, he was also Three handed, games, baby. That's all it took. Well, he was also handing off to, uh, to Zeke, who was going for about 250 that's in fine. each of those games. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 I'm ready to roll all in right. a particular our, order from one to five, okay? Oh, okay. this is no, it's got to um, be an order. It's, it's got to be yeah, an order. It's got to be an order. Yeah. Well, give us your the hard whoa, part. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, well, okay. Then, then if we look at that way, I'm going to go, um, number one, Braxton. Miller. Okay. Um, yeah, God, see, like when I say that, like, I don't know. 
I'm just going to do my five. You know what? You guys can put them in the order wherever you want. I'm going to go Braxton Miller, Troy Smith, um, Justin Fields. Um, I, I mean, God say, I mean, Krenzel, I was there when they won the national championship. And I mean, is he like the best? No, but he was on the, like the flip side of this. One of the most amazing. I can't believe know, you guys put Craig Krenzel on your top Dude, five. He's no, I, like, he's not, oh like, my God. I mean, that's um, all team accomplishment. <laughs> that's all team accomplishment. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That, that matters, Sw- though, right? Sure. I was with you Justin when you were Swift. weeping. <laughs> when we won the national championship. Yeah. Uh, I Beckham. think you need to rethink Krenzel and give him the credit that he's due, my friend. Terrell Pryor. I, I did. If I haven't mentioned him, I, I, I loved Pryor. Uh-huh. Um, that guy was like a gazelle. Right, that's your five. Okay. Good. All right. I'm gonna go with mine. These are my. Now, for you know, I'm just my these five. I put in order of their JT. of their ability. These are their ability and talent in my view. Justin Fields is number one. Uh, CJ Stroud, I got number two. Uh, Braxton Miller, three. I got Dwayne Haskins at number four. Only only one great season for Dwayne Haskins, but had Ohio State given him the starting job in 2017, had, had, had uh, Urban Meyer done that as he should have after the Oklahoma loss, then I think Haskins probably would be higher on this list. But he only got the one great season in 2018. And then finally, Troy Smith, who, great quarterback, Heisman winner, you know, didn't quite win a national championship. But those yeah. are my top five. And, I, you know, I, I guess I just put them in order of who I think was the most talented, who had the most arm talent, who had the most impact on the game. Those are my top five. And honorable mention, I, Joe Germain in 1998 and Bobby Hoying in 1995. Those guys yeah, put up big, yeah. big time numbers. I'm going to say Joe really Burrow as well. Offenses. Yeah. Well, I so, thought about Joe Burrow too. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, we cannot, you can't claim him. He spent two seasons no, at LSU. Yeah. But but again, the, the, the funny part is, and you know, I just kind of threw it out there. I don't even exactly remember how I worded it, but um, yeah. Is it who had the most talent or is it who's the most important you know quarterback for the team i mean there's no way krenzel makes the top 10 the guy's yeah. got a national no. championship right i mean you know remember that throw he made against purdue to win when we like, yeah. almost like, like i mean that's ridiculous yeah he ridiculous. made some he made some big plays for sure and you know he's i mean if we're if we're going to expand this to the top 10 I might consider Krenzel in there, but uh, to me, he was all team accomplishments and, and there is no Todd and, Beckham. And look, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if he wants to pull out his, his team accomplishments and put them on the table next to some of these other guys, like CJ Stroud, for instance, yeah, well then he, he wins the argument uh, for, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you could make the argument that beating Miami in 2002 was like the most absurd thing huge oh no one in the higher planet gave us a chance in the nobody yeah i mean beating alabama in the semifinals was probably second but um i mean 2002 i mean what that were, team was loaded we were easily a double digit underdog in that game pretty sure we were pretty sure although we half that team uh, that, that was ridiculous though because what probably 80 percent of the high state team actually was the nfl talent you know outside Especially of on defense, Krenzel, which yeah. is the amazing thing so to your point z you know it's it's more of a team award but on the other hand you know i i, I he's got to be in your top five all right he broke up what a 30-year you know drought for national championships who knows i respect it i respect it no no i mean it, it, it makes total sense uh you know uh it's it makes for a fun debate because there's all yeah. you know a bunch of different names that you can include in the top five all right, boys. Well, listen, I know you have to bounce. Um, 
we've we put the 2022 so season to bed life and my just existence to have, like after tonight so thank you z it was a nice group therapy wasn't it we we helped it, each other it through it really was man i'm actually <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm like i'm like i'm happy i i think i'm gonna go down to my like my like local bar and like sit there and I can smile on my face and watch the second half of the Buckeye game <laughs> and just be happy as fuck. And I hope you have a great evening on page. I hope you have a great dinner tonight, bro. Thanks, Thanks, I think you got plans. I hope you guys have like, and I wish nothing but the best and most wonderful 2023 for all of our listeners, the Buckeyes, us, all of the above, Shade and E, all of the above. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.